this month we're celebrating our birthday. Uh, Pastor Tim, Pastor Clint, I uh, wanted to just share with you how much you mean to them and to the work that they do and the work that we have done over the past seven years. And this series is all about looking forward, going from where we are to, to where we'll be. And I, I'll just tell you in just, uh, just a couple of minutes, praying off to the side, uh, God wanted me, I felt like he wanted me to pray before we got going this morning. So would you join me? Father, I don't know the struggles or um, the turmoil or the anxiety or the stress that may be a part of somebody's life in this room. I don't know the, the people at home. I don't, I don't know what they're week has been like or what their month has been like or what their life has been like. But God, today I pray that something will happen to break through, that they'll lay it all down, that they'll find you pursuing them in the midst of it all. And so God, I pray that you'll use me just as a vessel. Help me stand aside and let your words and your life shine through so they can see you more clearly, that they'll have hope renewed. We pray all this in the power and might of your son, Jesus Christ. Well House uh, has always been a place of exciting things. From the very beginning, uh, as you gathered around in, in the O'Brien's home, all stuffed inside, I can only imagine what the neighbors were thinking, you know, those first few Sundays when the street must have been piled with cars. And throughout the time, we have impacted people's lives. And I want to let you know, great things have been done, but great things will continue to be done, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the future of Wellhouse and how that looks. And last week, we talked about this idea of family that that as we grow together, that's really what God calls us to be, is to be a family. And so today we're looking at this idea of a place to belong. And for those of you who are 40 and over, I wanted to invite you to join us in a little karaoke this morning. For those of you who might be a slightly younger than that, you can join us too. You may not know the words, but you're welcome to join along. Sing with us on this oldie right here. Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. Troubles are all the same. And you want to go where everybody knows your name. You want to go where you can see. Our troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. There you go. Hey, 
uh, give it up for the band who's at least willing to try for me when I ask, right? That's, that's beautiful. If you're like me, you grew up and you would know that somebody is going to yell out, Norm, right? And there would be a group of people huddled around a bar and in that setting was community. There were people from all stretches of lives and all kinds of backgrounds, but it didn't matter in that show because everybody belonged. Cheers, the show, connected with a group of people because it showed a safe place to belong in a world where most of the time we don't feel like we belong. Cheers ran for 11 years, and 10 of those 11 years, it ranked in the top 10 shows uh, of all the shows that were airing at the time. Think about that. It's really quite impressive. It shows that we are a people who desperately desire to belong somewhere. In fact, everyone's born with this deep need to belong Somewhere, something that we struggle with. In fact, my guess is if we kind of picked apart your life and maybe some of your biggest insecurities in your life, it might be the fact that you don't really truly feel like you belong to someone or you belong somewhere. We all have this deep need to belong somewhere. In fact, there was a guy, um, and his name was Abraham Maslow. And Abraham Maslow was a, an American psychologist. He wrote a book, and he studied people and, and really what built someone up into a well-functioning person. And he de developed this thing we call the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And really, the, the basic needs is, is kind of really just meeting the safety needs of your life. That you have somewhere warm to sleep at night, you have clothes to wear, that you have food to eat, but not much higher than that. If you kind of look on this chart is, is this idea of love and belonging. That as you grow into this well-rounded, well-developed person, that you have people around you who you know love you and that you feel like you belong. And what I believe that Abraham Maslow understood in this process of growing a person and developing a person is really something that we understand from biblical context, that, that God created us in a such a way as to belong to him, that we're made in the image of God. And as God created humanity, as he was building everything, and he said, man, this is good, this is good, this is good, he, he saw mankind alone, and it's the first time ever that he says, this is no good. And he says, I know how to fix this. And he created the woman out of man. And they dwelt there in the garden with peace. That is, until in Genesis chapter 3, we read this story. The serpent enters the story. And he, she, he begins to tell the woman, hey, listen, I, you, you, you feel out of place maybe. Maybe, maybe you have some insecure. Maybe, maybe there's something that God has that you don't. And he says, if you would just eat from this tree, the knowledge of good and evil, then, then you'll know just like God. This is what it says in Genesis chapter 3. Then when the woman saw that the fruit was good for food and pleasing the eye and also desirable for gathering wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open. They realized that they were naked, so they sewed together fig leaves 
and they made a covering for themselves. And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking through the garden in the cool of the day. Think about how many times in their existence they had heard that sound before. That God was walking in this peaceful garden among them and they could hear it. But this time was different. This time they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to man, where are you? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure God knew exactly where they were. And in my mind, I almost think that God is just like resting right up next to him, looking straight ahead. Where are you? And maybe some of the saddest words in the biblical text, Adam answers, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. God had done nothing to deserve fear. And here is Adam, afraid and hidden for the fear of God. It's the, it's the first time and it's not the only time because have there been times in your life, there's certainly been times in my life where I'm like, oh, God, I hope you're not watching. I hope nobody else is watching. I hope nobody else knows. And in fact, this is what I've learned from at least my experience and maybe yours too, is that sin leaves us in shame and feeling separated. This is the whole rest of the story of the Bible is that sin leaves us in shame and separation. That a part of this belonging leaves us tripped up because we realize how broken we truly are. That we're not mistakers. If we were mistakers, man, we could fix it, right? We, we could erase that. We could do it over again. And we do it right the next time. But we're not mistakers. We're sinners. And the problem is, is that we can't fix sin. And so we're broken. And when we come face to face with our brokenness, it leaves us in this place of shame and separation. At once when humanity had a relationship with God that was peace-filled, sin broke it. And now we live in this state of fear. And I'll be honest, I don't know what your fear is. Maybe it's a fear of inadequacy that you're never going to measure up. And maybe that comes from a place of your childhood, right? Where you had parents, a mom or a dad who expected all these things of you and it just never seemed like you were able to get that good job, attaboy, I love you. And so your whole life, you've had this fear of inadequacy that you're never going to measure up. And maybe it's come from this long look in the mirror, right? And you realize all the things you want to be, but you can never seem to make it that way. And so the insecurities come from the inside. It just eats you up and you're constantly aware of the things that you want to change, but somehow you're never really able to do it. I don't know what it is, but I do know this, that because of sin, this need for belonging gets broken. 
And we, and we continually go from place to place, searching for somewhere where we might belong. There's so many people who wind up getting married, and in the course of their marriage, they realize, man, what I really wanted was a place to belong and feel loved, but I don't feel that. There are people who join different kind of organizations and groups, and they're like, man, I just want a place where I belong. They wind up leaving because they just never feel that connection. Because there's something inside of us that's broken. I mentioned this, that, that starting in Genesis 3, God takes a tactic, and we see it through the whole rest of the Bible. It's this tactic of constantly pursuing his children through all kinds of means necessary. He continually pursues his people. Though they are faithless, though they wonder, though they doubt, though they question, though they make all kinds of mistakes along the way, he pursues them. And finally, in the New Testament, we read that God gives us his one and only, his very best for our very worst. And he brings all people into himself through this. It isn't just now the Israelite nation that God is calling all people to him. He does through with his son, Jesus. So as Jesus lives and breathes and teaches and talks about the Father, he begins reconciling all men to himself. And, and he winds up dying on the cross and then his followers begin to start the early church. And we read this story of a guy named Saul who later converts to Paul. And at one point in time, he was killing Christians and now he's teaching Christians. And it's another way to show us that, that, that God redeems all things, that the things that didn't belong before belong now. And as Paul begins to instruct the churches, he has to remind them that, that God is taking all the broken bits, all the, the parts that don't function together, and he's bringing them together. And he does so, one of the ways that he does so is in this letter to a church in Ephesus. This church in Ephesus is the, the hub of all kinds of activity. It's just such a diverse group of people that you would think, man, these people are never going to figure out how to get along. And Paul writes to them and and he challenges them and he encourages them to become one. In Ephesians 2, he talks about their past. And he says, you remember what you once were in your ways, but Christ made you alive. No matter what you were caught up in, no matter the brokenness where you were, Christ redeems you. I put these few next few verses uh, on the screen behind me because it's out of the message. It's Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 16. As, as Paul talks to the church in Ephesus, he says this. Christ brought us together through the death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of hostility. Christ came and he preached peace to you outsiders and peace to the insiders and he treated us as equals and so he made us equals. And through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access 
to the Father. That's plain enough, isn't it? But you no longer wandering exilers. This kingdom of faith that you're now in your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. With as much right to the name Christian as anyone. I love that last sentence. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. The problem is this. You know it just like I know it too. Have you ever been in a community where it didn't feel like you were equals, right? That, that, you, had, that you had the same status as everybody else. You, you saw a hierarchy. You, you saw the way that the kind of the cliques worked and you were kind of the outsider and other people were the insiders. And, and you just knew along the way you were never going to fit in. See, God created the church to be a place where everyone belonged. It was his desire on the cross that we would come together. He made us equals through his death. And belonging is such a hard part. It's such a hard thing to feel because belonging comes when we feel known and still wanted. Like there's a piece of us, remember that broken piece of us that we know that, that it's really messed up still. It's really ugly still. It's, it's really broken still. And to, to be vulnerable enough to show that, to be fully known and yet still wanted. A motto of a lot of churches is, you're welcome here. And there's nothing wrong with welcoming somebody. But there's a big difference between welcoming somebody and wanting somebody. My wife reminds me of this. I don't get, always get it right. But she says, the thing I want from you most is to feel you want me in that space. That you want me there. That you want me to be a part. It's different than saying, hey, you're welcome to join if you want. Or I want you. See, the future of Wellhouse is leaning into this idea of, we're not just saying, hey, listen, all people are welcome, but all people are wanted. We reflect Christ the most when we chase people down who are broken and say, we love you and we want you like Christ wants you. That's what the cross did. It took away the status symbols. It took away the hostility. It took away all the unequalness and it made equal balance so that we could all belong here with as much right to anybody as the name of Christian. Whether you just started following Christ in the last five minutes or you spent your whole lifetime learning scripture, Christ loves you and you belong with him. But Paul's not done in this belonging sense. It's not just enough to know that Christ wants us. And it's not just enough for us to know that we need to want others. Belonging is deeper than that. 
It's understanding that you have value. It goes beyond just the passive place of living, of being including, of being welcomed, of being wanted. It takes ownership and becoming invested. This is the next step of belonging. It's why a lot of people never feel like they fit in. Sure, they're wanted. Sure, somebody includes them, but they never take it to the next step of taking ownership and understanding their value. Ephesians chapter two, continuing on, he says this, God is building a home. Then where family lives, right? I don't know about you, but my family lives in a home. And right now we're in the personal process of building, rebuilding, remodeling a home. And it's where my family lives. And this scripture, as Paul points out, he's building a home. He's building a place for us. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got there. How did you come to Christ? Oh man, it took, you would not believe the bumps and bruises. You would not believe the mistakes I've made. You would not believe the ways in which God has continued to pour out grace upon grace. It doesn't matter in what he's building. He used apostles and prophets for the foundation and now he's using you. Point to your neighbor and say, listen, he's using you. Come on, there you go. He's using you. And here's, the, and here's the crazy thing. I know it sounds, it feels weird to do that. But it's another reminder. I don't want you to walk out of this room thinking church is a passive place where you show up and people sing and Steve preaches and you leave and you go back to your life. That's not what God designed the church for. It's just not. Church is a place where you belong, but it's not belonging is not showing up. God wants to use you. And he, see, he wants to use you because he sees value in you. He created you for a purpose. And he says, listen, the purpose of the apostles and the purpose of the process, uh, prophets were to, to build a foundation, but a foundation is not a house. A foundation is a start to the house. But if you had to live in a foundation, it wouldn't take you very long to realize you don't have everything you need. Paul says, now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, which basically is Paul's way of saying, you don't even have to be complete for God to use you. All you have to have is the next piece that goes on the puzzle. All you have to do is take it brick by brick, part by part, and allow God to put you where he needs you to use because he values you. He sees the worth in you. A part of belonging is allowing your life to rest in the hands of God and allow him to put you exactly where he created you to be. He says this, now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. Reminding you and I once again, it's not about you anyway. If you're worried that you're not going to get it right, it's okay. <laughs> it's not resting on you anyway. 
If you're worried, you don't have all the answers. If you worry, you man, like I'm about 15% okay and the rest of me is kind of screwed up, that's okay. God says, listen, I'm going to take those pieces. I'm going to put it on the cornerstone, which is true. It is right. And don't worry about it. Just, just give me the pieces you have and we'll build along the way. See, a part of belonging goes from somebody who says, listen, I'm more than welcome you, I want you, to a place where you say, I'm not just included, I'm not just included, people don't just want me to be there, but I'm invested. There's a big difference between being included and invested. There's a big difference between showing up and participating with God's people. And when we say people belong here, what we're saying is we want everybody. There's nobody who outranks anybody else here. I'm happy to serve alongside of anybody and anything that we do here, and so is everybody else. Because that's what our master showed us, right? The first are last. He came to wash people's feet, and he said, listen, I'm gonna humble myself, and that's what I'm teaching all of my followers to do as well. We want the outsiders, we want the outcasts, we want the broken, because that's the heart of our God. But belonging goes beyond that. It goes from being included to being invested, to taking your brick and saying, listen, I I don't know what you can do with this, but I want to be a part of the house of God. And I want him to use me in this context, and I don't have all the skills, I don't have all the knowledge, I don't have all of my pieces put together, but I trust God enough that he knows what he can use. And so my life's an open book, but I'm all in. See, the future of Wellhouse is a group of people who call others in. And as we do so, we use what we have and put it in the hands of God in an all-in kind of way. And here's the truth. Some of you have done that in the past, and I want to thank you for that. Because the reason why we're here now is because of that. Some of you have done that in the past, and man, over the course of time, if I'm just being over the course of time, it got real hard. It got real hard, didn't it? And there were relationships that were hurt, and there were things that happened, and man, God, you were expecting God to do some things, and God didn't do some things. And it got hard. And what I want to challenge you to do is this. When it gets hard, lean into God. When there are broken pieces, put them in the hands of the creator. And when you feel like you really just want to be included, become invested instead. God will bless you significantly through the outpouring of your life. Don't stop, don't lean back. Continue to lean forward into what God is building, this house where he's using all of us to fit together for something bigger than us. See, I'm convinced at some point in time, somebody prayed over the seat that you're sitting in now. They didn't know your name. They didn't know your story. They just knew that somebody needed to hear God more clearly. And so they invested so you could hear it. In 10 years, there's going to be somebody else in a seat next to you. 
and you won't know their name right now. And you don't know their story right now. See, they're, they're living on the broken side of that. But they need you. They need you to pray. They, they need you to trust the pieces that you have in God's hands as you invest fully to bring them to a relationship with God so they know they belong, so they know that they can be fully known and fully loved. That is Wellhouse at its core. And that's what we're striving towards. Band, if you would come on up. I want to remind you all again that Wellhouse is having a birthday. There's some of these around. If that one wasn't on your chair, there's some out towards the door. Grab one and invite somebody. We're going to have a, a great time. But as you do that, I, I want to point out something. Now, you don't have to know me really well to know that I'm not super great with technology. <clears throat> I'm, of all eight people that live in our house, I struggle the most. That's okay. I have other people around who can help me out. But here's what I've noticed in our society today. For all of the great advances in technology, and there's a lot of great advances. Every day I'm thankful for the guy who invented air conditioning. But all of our uh, great advances in, in social media and ability to travel and all of those things... One thing I know for sure is that Americans are more insecure today than we have ever been in our whole society. Despite the constant, ongoing connectivity to others, we are lonelier than any group of people in all of history. All is not well with us. Just because we have connectivity does not mean we feel like we really, truly belong. And if you feel that way, and if you're wondering the question that haunts so many people in our community and in our society today of who truly are my people, who I can be me with and still feel wanted and loved, the only place you will find us, I promise you, is with God's people. Because we have felt known and we have experienced love. So if we're not careful, however, the burden of belonging can fall on others. It's their work to make us connected. Or it's their work to make me feel valued. True belonging takes a degree of ownership in me. It determines both my responsibility to make others feel wanted and also my ability to invest fully in others. This is our future. This is our past. This is what we lean into and we kick wildly forward into as well. Father, we thank you for your words. And Father, as we think back about that time in the garden where everything was peaceful before sin broke in, and you would walk through the breeze of the day, 
And Adam and Eve felt no fear because they knew they belonged. God, we long for the day where we restore Eden with you. That when we hear your voice, we don't fear because we know that you, you love us and you call us your children. And you would send your son to the depths of the earth, walking through hell itself for us. And Father, you want us to reflect that. And it's a tall task. It's, it's huge. It's, it's monumental. It's overwhelming. And all you say to us over and over again is just, Give me the next piece of you and let's put it on the cornerstone and it'll be perfect. You call us to come to you and you want us to call, to call others to come as well. So God, help us to be a place where we belong, where we invest and where we call other people, not just welcomed here, but wanted here. Thank you for wanting us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for, for watching us struggle this week and not leaving us alone in it. God, thank you for giving us a word this week to take with us. That as we battle our insecurities, as we battle our fears, and we battle the things inside of us that don't seem right, don't fit right, God, that we know that you, oh, you love us. So God, we pray in the mighty, awesome, majestic name of your son, Jesus Christ. And the church says, amen.